Hello, welcome to Chapter 3 Podcast, the show for readers of science fiction, fantasy, and romance. This is Season 2, Episode 13. Today, we are going to be talking about a fantasy book that has been everywhere lately, I feel like, Jade City by Fonda Lee. And joining us is YouTuber and podcaster Mara from Books Like Woe and Changeling Cast. So we're so happy to have you on. Thanks for having me. It's been a while. I don't it think has. I've been here since you guys like since season two happened. I think so. Yeah. Since we have like video, I have co Leanna's a co-host. Should now. we have done a previously on chapter three podcast for Mara? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where am I coming in? What was the last discussion about, you know? I am as always the villain. Like Brandon Sanderson or like what's happening? We're talking first law. Shocker, I know. That was the only way I that mean, I could have tonight, a redemption but... arc is that we could switch to talking about first law. <laughs> if you want to introduce yourself briefly and we'll have links to where people can find you in the show notes. Sure. So my name is Mara. I am a YouTuber and podcaster, as Bethany said. Uh, I read a little bit of everything. I think I'm known for mystery, classics, and romance, I'd say, are kind of my ones a lot of people know me for. But I'm also a big fantasy reader, especially sort of like fantasy plus another genre or sci-fi plus another genre. Leanna has been my willing question mark co-pilot for a number of buddy reads over the years. I mean, Bethany as well, but I feel like me and Leanna have really been going the distance in the last couple of years on I mean, like, Hob. And, group for Hob. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've got Hob going. Uh, we read Jade City together, which is why I'm here. I don't know. Recently, in the last couple of years, we just seem to randomly have books on our tbrs at the same time so it's, it's, it's like period sinking but bookish yeah. right <laughs> it's like kind of like that book menstrual cycles <laughs> apparently me and leanna are living in the same bookish sorority house but it's apparently also <laughs> girls who bleed together read together <laughs> oh my gosh that should be your new merch <laughs> you should totally you should make that merch that would be hilarious actually i feel like you do chapter three podcast come on this is the, like no one you are for chapter three podcast <laughs> yeah we can totally actually that would be that would be really <laughs> that would be good we'll have to we'll have to think about that um okay so we're gonna talk jade city and i feel like it's gonna be interesting because the three of us all have semi have had semi different opinions and experiences with this book that at least on booktube has been wildly popular so i think i liked it the least of everybody and i think liana liked it the most i think that's safe shock horror <laughs> i mean because the other thing is so the three of us are also in book club together mm -hmm. we do the blades and bios Ripper book club uh once a quarter mm -hmm. and well i don't know that we've had a book that all of us agreed on in a long time but usually liana is the one who's like suffering yeah. in the corner with whatever <laughs> Or Bethany or Amanda have made her read. So for her, I, I don't even like the books that I pick. <laughs> I know yeah. that's true. <laughs> that's true. That is true. She doesn't even like her own picks, so we can't feel too bad. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, this is exciting that she's the the most positive on this one. Yeah, it's a massive relief to frankly to like have a hyped series that for once I'm not like so guys I didn't like it. <laughs> For once to be like, oh, it's so good. I'm totally on the hype train. It's so nice. I love it. You can finally be excited. I felt so terrible when I was not a fan of it because everybody I knew seemed to love it. And it has, I, I should let everyone know, it's been a while since I've read it. When we decided to do this episode, I was like, I think I remember enough to talk a little bit about it, but it's been like a year. So I was looking at my review from a year ago. Yeah. I mean, and I didn't dislike it, I guess I should say. 
it just really wasn't my cup of tea. But maybe we could go around and kind of if people want to share. Well, what, also, do, I'm how curious, did you, what did you think? Um, did any of did anyone do it on audio? I did. Okay, because I didn't. So then I wonder, because I often, I mean, wonder like, because um, I know like with um, I did essay... like a blended read, so I like read physically and listened to some of the audiobook. But yeah, I don't. I mean, it's... I thought the audio narrator was fine. Because I know for like um, City of Brass that I don't really. It's another one that's hyped, and I don't like it mm-hmm. <laughs> more than usual. But I do know that for the majority of people that I've talked to who love it all did it on audio and I didn't do it on audio. So like sometimes like that can make or break something depending. That's true. I, I kind of think with Jade city for me, it's more just that it's not my thing. Like I, I was like, okay, objectively, this is pretty well executed. I can see why people love it. I am just not like, I don't really like mafia stories very much. (laughs) And well, that's literally what I'm, this is. That's basically what this is. Yeah, this is one thousand percent mafia, and yeah. I am an enjoyer of a trashy mafia romance. So, and I, I am not. I was, I was, you know, primed <laughs> from my reading of Mink and other Kindle Unlimited smut to to be into this. I was gonna yeah. say, I'm guessing in Bethany's case, aside from just it being hyped, knowing that it would be this type of story, you probably went into it thinking like, I hope I like this, but I probably won't. Pretty much. I mean, I kind of went into it thinking, well, honestly, I probably wouldn't have picked it up except that so many people with different kinds of reading taste who I am friends with liked it and told me I should read it. And so I finally was like, okay, it doesn't sound like my thing, but I'm going to try it. And sure enough, it was indeed not my thing. But you know, I think that that's like a really important spirit to keep in your reading is like mm-hmm. an openness to being surprised because sometimes yeah. I'll pick something up from like book club or just it is so hyped that I'm like okay I kind of want to just see if I'll like this and a lot of times it doesn't work out but sometimes you're surprised and then you find something that you would never have picked up for yourself but I was gonna you know. see you forcibly keep that spirit in me alive with book club <laughs> <laughs> I'm always try. forced out of my comfort we try, zone Leanna, we try <laughs> Well, yeah. you know, we're we're just trying to torture you at this point. So it's not even trying to keep that spirit alive. It's mostly just trying to inflict pain upon you. <laughs> oh, no. So nice. So nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree, though. I think I think it's a it's good to sometimes get out your side your comfort zone and try something that you're not sure how you're going to do with it and see. And, you know, I, I gave it three stars. So it's not like, yeah, you didn't I hate it. Like, just... I didn't hate it. I just was like, and I mean, I do so, have specific things that didn't work for me, but which which we can get into. But also, I mean, so obviously, like, there's the mafia thing. But so I'm guessing since you gave it three stars and you don't like mm-hmm. mafia stories that like yeah. your experience with this book wasn't that like, there's nothing wrong with the book. I just not I don't like this kind of story. It's not where like, oh, this book specifically did things badly. It's just like, yeah, I'm just not into it's like a romance right. book for me where I'm like, I, I guess people like this, but like, I just, I don't really want to read about this. I mean, pretty <laughs> much. I mean, there were a few things that I was like, I was like, okay, I didn't love this specific thing. But for the most part, I was just like, I just don't, I'm not invested. Ooh, how are we handling spoilers? This fine podcast. Um, oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Why don't we do spoiler free for the first little while and then we'll do spoilers. Maybe you guys can put like a time jump or something in the show notes letting people know when they can come back if they don't want spoilers yeah can do that liana so you love this what what at a high level did you love about it and well, insert just a gif of hilo right here 
Also, there's also the fact that like the exact opposite of Bethany that I'm primed to like this because I like gangster mafia criminal type stories. Like I like heist stories. I like adult and or high fantasy doesn't really do this kind of thing. And we kind of talked about this, you and me, Mara, about expectations of it being a urban fantasy because like it is an urban environment and it is a fantasy, but it doesn't really like go with urban fantasy the way that the tropes are established in what that is and so like i don't really read urban fantasy which is i guess where you would find like you don't really have mafia in medieval (laughs) style fantasy like that's just like not a thing so i just i when i have enjoyed and consumed criminal mafia type stories it's usually in film and television and it's usually like historical not fantasy so like that type of story has always appealed to me but i've not had much opportunity to read it since i mainly read fantasy so having a high fantasy adult fantasy that is doing mafia things, gangster things, is like the meeting, the colliding of my favorite worlds, like adult grimdarkish kind of fantasy and gangsters. It's like, of course I love this. Yeah. Well, and I guess I kind of fall in between you guys because I enjoyed this. I thought it was good. Like, I don't necessarily have a lot of critiques for it. I don't think that like emotionally this connected with me the way it did with Liana and just in terms of like, Ooh, I love this. Like it didn't hit my like, Ooh, I love this button. So I would give this like a four star, which for me is like an A minus. Like I enjoyed this. I'll keep going in the series at some point. I do really love urban fantasy. Like that is one of my favorite kinds of fantasy. So it was fun to me to get just kind of a different take on those tropes. Like, cause it really is more epic fantasy tropes kind of imported into an urban fantasy kind of setup. So I don't know that I've read something quite like this before, which I thought was cool. I think I, I wonder, Bethany, if if you'll agree with me on this, but I think I would have liked more character development. Um, Yeah, I think that probably is what kept me from just like, by the end, I was really connecting with Hilo and Shay and Mm -hmm. Wen, but towards the beginning, it took a long time for me to really get in with the characters but so you saying that about character development like uh i would tend to uh when people talk about character development that tends to be something that like quote unquote slows down your plot you know if you're stopping to delve with characters and interestingly like i've heard people who don't love jade city think express that they think it's too slow and that you wanted more character development in which case if she had done more character development it would have been even slower in air quotes. I think that's too slow. I know when I heard that I was like I thought it was a mile a minute but (laughs) I kind of agree with that like I found it weirdly both slow but also not super plot driven like but also not it was a weird the pacing I guess there's a lot I guess there's a lot of world stuff happening and like political machination stuff happening so that's a lot of the focus I think part of my struggle is that the only character I really liked or cared at all about was Shay but I did not like where her plot arc went. And so it kind of lost me by the end because I was like, okay, the one character I was rooting for and then you do this. And I'm like, mm. Oh, see, I really liked where Shay's care. I was like wanting more of her and then like where it ended up, I was like, oh, cool. Okay, so in the next books, I'm going to get a lot more <laughs> with her. So this is great. So this is for viewers, not for my co-hosts who have never seen Peaky Blinders, which is, I still don't understand how you've never been heard of Peaky Blinders. I watched Liana's group, me and our buddy Reed was basically just her sending me gifts of Peaky Blinders for like, I was at Trader Joe's shopping and I like kept going like, bing, bing, and it was like, Peaky Blinders, Peaky Blinders. But I mean, like a lot of this, the pacing of it 
the presence or lack of character development, the types of characters that are in this, and specifically, like, not just that, like, oh, they're gangsters. It's, like, specific character types and character dynamics that are in Peaky Blinders. Like, literally, Shay is so much like Ada, which who's, like, the sister uh, of the family in Peaky Blinders. And, like, her plot arc is, like, I mean, it's not identical, of course, and, like, there's no magical jade, and they are in Birmingham post-World War One, so, I mean, it's not modern asia (laughs) okay it is different but like the way that like her and like where she's at when you start the show and how she gets roped into things is you know loosely very similar so when i was watching her plot arc i was like yeah like this is this is the ada arc so like i know where this is going (laughs) yeah hopefully listeners that means more to you than everyone in the world has at least heard of peaky binders except for you (laughs) i had i had kind of heard of it but you're the first person i know who like loves it yeah i hadn't heard of it until liana i heard liana talking about it but also it is totally not the kind of tv i would be aware of because i don't like mafia stuff i don't really like historical fiction stuff especially around world war stuff like world war like it's just not like if if it was a fantasy show i probably would have heard of it i don't really watch a lot of tv anymore so it's just there's fewer opportunities for such things to come across my eyeballs so yeah i just like it's like so it's been on for quite some time and that like it's so sort of in the zeitgeist like i never watched the sopranos but like i know what the sopranos is and i get most references to the sopranos without ever having seen a single episode of it and there was a long time before i saw the godfather but i got references to the godfather you know like you don't have to have seen it or even like it to like know about it and like there are again so many dudes getting peaky blinder style haircuts there's so many like before even tiktok became a thing i constantly saw like things on instagram or whatever of like people making videos of them but i wonder if that's like like, everybody has their own internet yeah you know what i mean like the algorithm probably you probably lingered over one of those haircut pictures for a little too long on instagram so it just started (laughs) that's probably true i mean i've been watching it since it came on i just feel like and then like a lot of people i know were just like uh when i was shortly after i finished college so like 2015 probably see that's also probably part of it is because like my first baby was born in 2014 so i was in like early motherhood like that is probably the last thing i would have been aware of i was in grad school so yeah that explains a lot actually broken had no premium access television yeah in canada also we just we don't have tv in canada so i mean it's one of those this has just become a peaky blinders cast but like it started as a british show and then Netflix started co-funding it. So now it's like when you go on Netflix, it's like a Netflix original, even though it was like produced by the Brits. And then Netflix started adding their money <laughs> to it. Anyway, so, um, so if you Eddie. like, yeah, I mean, but this is one of those where like if, uh, you know, if it was a uh, blurb, you know, as like Peaky Blinders meets like Hong Kong martial arts films, I'd be like, correct. Oh, yeah, that's like the <laughs> very thing we were talking yeah. about the other day where like, all bro- books get blurbed with it's this meets this or it's mm-hmm. these tropes and it's like yeah this would be it's Peaky Blinders meets K-pop or like K-dramas that's kind of I think and martial the, arts the, films yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah like a yeah it's interesting how po- like I do wonder because I know on booktube it's so popular and I wonder a little bit like is it really popular outside of that I can't tell Maybe it is. Well, it did also win the World Fantasy Award. I mean, that's something, yeah. That's something. And it's being adapted by Peacock. Okay. Peacock is 
picking up all kinds of things lately it seems like they're trying you know i think the announcement happened over at peacock like, i think the announcement of them picking it up was like not long <laughs> after it came out like they snapped it up right away yeah interesting yeah. i hey if they'll make like a side changeling adaptation then they can just keep snapping things up but. yeah so i do think that the the jade magic world building stuff is kind of cool mm-hmm. however one thing that i think this may- book made me realize and this is not like a you shouldn't do this. This is just a like personal preference thing. You shouldn't think- do this if you want Bethany to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> Which is clearly what matters to ever no. Um no Fondalee I- is is in your DMs every day. Know, like Bethany, really what can like, I do? Like, what can I do to make this the book for you? Yeah. <laughs> How can I make this right? <laughs> no, I'm so happy for everyone who loves it. But I think this book made me realize that I don't enjoy reading fantasy where magic is used as as a stand-in for addiction like i just don't like i just don't enjoy that trope i don't think it's that it's a bad trope i just it's not not that this is again like trying to try to stay on topic yeah briefly off topic that is definitely a thing in the farseer trilogy and i know you like the farseer trilogy oh that is true yeah it is i mean it's not like my favorite part of the Farseer trilogy. Well, okay, I definitely think there's I books where, well, I guess it's not magic. It's more speculative science stuff. But Inside Changeling, which I know you like, yeah, that gets used as a metaphor quite a bit. Yeah, I, th- I think I can, I'm fine with it if there's enough other things in the book that I'm really into. Yeah. But it's not my preferred trope of magic. And I, if, and I think I just, the reason it stood out to me in this book was because there were, there wasn't other stuff to really distract me from it, if that makes sense. It was a focal point of the plot. Yeah. And so I think because of that, I was like, I don't enjoy this very much. So. Well, I will say, I think something I told Leanna, and, and I will say, I wonder if some of my enjoyment of this was hampered by the fact that I had just finished Ship of Destiny a week or two before I read this was that I do think Robin Hobb deals with some similar themes around how magic can corrupt, but she just does it so much better. But I don't know that that's like a fair, like Robin Hobb is literally one of the masters of the genre. That would be like being, you know, comparing someone to William Makepeace Thackeray or something for literary. I don't know. Just like, it's not probably a fair comparison, but I do think that some of the Jade stuff was a little on the nose for me. Like that's probably one of the critiques I have is I don't know that there was a lot of like subtlety to it, which I probably would have enjoyed. But I mean, I do think it opens up some interesting discussions about like the economy and how access to certain resources from the different classes mm-hmm. impacts people's lives as well as I was talking with Leanna. It made me think a lot about how like older generations gatekeep things for younger generations in terms of like setting them up for success. Like I thought some of the Jade stuff played into them, the specific family dynamics within no peak. So like, I think that there were some interesting things about it as a world setup, but I did feel like it was a little heavy handed at times. Mm. Well, I feel like when, when I started it, I was, pretty like hooked like from the beginning i know like when i read um the name of the wind i wasn't very far into it when i was like okay i know already this is like one of the best books i've ever read because like 50 pages of nothing went by and i'm just like drooling so i was like oh this is amazing so like jade city i was like okay like i think i'm into this so like that's a relief so okay all right i'm 
this is cool. I'm interested. And like the Jade stuff and the gang setup, I was like, I mean, like this, it's it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty like, okay, Jade is how I get it, how it works. And the, it's like, it is currency. It is drugs. Like I, I get what we're doing here. And like, okay, it's a vibe. It's fine. And there were things about the characters individually, which like, I don't want to say like super specific stuff, but you know, just like who they are within the story, who they seem to be within the hierarchy, how the government seems to work, how a lot of things like how the magic works, how the economy works, how a lot of things would work that like, as we were introduced to it, I was like, okay, like that's, I have no issues with that. Like, it's not like the most amazing, incredible thing I've ever seen, but yeah, that's fine. That's fine. And then a, a lot of things, she did take them in more interesting places than initially it seemed. So like all the way that she like slowly complicated some of those things. Your very first introduction to drugs besides Jade is like, okay, that's something. And then even further, how that's further complicated once that's introduced and what happens in your understanding of it from different perspectives. It's like, okay, I'm, I'm quite liking that. That's a lot more nuanced than it seemed at first. And the same thing with like the politics and the inter like the relationship between non-gang members and gang members and the government and like all of that slowly got more and more actually nuanced than I was like, okay, this is actually quite good. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, uh, I should note, I'm only judging the first book. So like, I'm guessing that this goes more interesting and nuanced places as the story goes on. Because I also believe, well, I, I don't think this is a spoiler. I don't think this is a spoiler. I think that in the future books, a lot more time passes than what passes in this book. So I think that also probably means that there's going to be more room for things to go in a lot of different directions. And with. there are a lot of things that are introduced and not paid off. I don't feel like I was let down in some way. It just seems like, okay, like I, I see a lot of threads you left open, things you want me to start thinking about or start being aware of that are probably going to, you know, mature into a big problem <laughs> in later books. Yeah, like I actually, the way that this book ends, again, not spoiling, but just the setup of the book, for me, if the story had started there-ish, I probably would have really flown through things a lot faster because it ended where I was like, yes, okay, this is really what yeah. I'm interested in. Like, I feel like usually when people say the first book feels like set up, feels like a prologue, I feel like that's quite a harsh criticism sometimes. I wouldn't quite go that far with Jade City, but to some degree, it does feel like by the end point, you're like, okay, we've reached, this is where yeah. we're going from here. I don't mean it as a criticism because sometimes, yes, I mean like, good Lord, why does this book exist? This really should have just been a prologue. And that's mm -hmm. not what I mean. I just mean that like, we were really getting into the meat of what I enjoyed about the book at the end of it. I still understand why the rest of the book happened and knowing now what I've heard about the way that the next books are structured. I think it makes sense for her to do what she did. I'm trying not to spoil anything. But yeah, it was just by the end of it, I was finally like, oh, okay, yes. Like I'm, I like where all these characters are on the chessboard. Like I'm into this. I'm excited to see where we're going to go from here. Bethany did not feel any of these ways. <laughs> I did not. But I mean, I respect that. I think, I think for me, I got to the end of it and I was kind of like, well, the one character I liked is now in a place that I don't like. And everybody is horrible, so I don't really root for anyone. Why do I care? <laughs> like, that was kind of how Bethany, I Bethany, you read first, Law. <laughs> yeah, but it has a bigger project that's interesting to me. And it's in there's a and there are characters that I love. Like, that's the thing. Like, first Actually, law, I think like that is an interesting, like, counterpoint. I think there is a big difference between first law, where it's clear that you are not meant to like these characters. Like, yeah. and you don't feel like this doesn't work for me because I don't like them. You're like, okay, but 
there's probably something wrong with you if you do like them. Like, that's not what we're doing here. Whereas Jade City, like, they are unlikable, but you are meant to but like them. But I feel them. like you're supposed to like them. That's what I, I mean. Don't. I mean, they're written as gray and yeah. morally gray, but yeah. not in a way where, like, morally gray in first law is, like, I'm meant to think that you're interesting and awful. I'm meant right. to think that you were, like, morally gray in Jade City, but, like, I'm meant to root for you. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're meant to be rooting for them. And I'm kind of on the fence on some of them, but towards the end... Like Hilo, I guess, in particular, I felt like the ending of the book really got me more hooked into him and rooting for him more because I felt like he I liked where his character arc was going. And then positionally, in terms of like what Shay is doing, I was more interested in like what her plot set up for the next book is going to be. I'm like, oh, OK, this is juicy, yeah. I feel like. Well, also, like when, it, so when I was like saying all uh, you know, the Jade being a little more complicated later on and the politics being a little more complicated later on Hilo, like seems when you first like get introduced to the story you're like okay i know that character like i mean he's cool whatever but like he as a character becomes more complicated later on in the book he's not that two-dimensional yeah i think the difference for me is that with first law what pulled me through the first time i read it was that i loved glockta I found Giselle entertaining and I cared about the project of the series. Like those three things were what made me want to keep reading. I think that's the thing is that like for me, there's got to be something or like either a character that I really love or like something that's really sucking me in. And that's, I, I think for that, that was, this is why it was a three-star read for me. I'm like, I, you know, a lot of this was done well. I can see why people love it. It's just the problem is I don't care enough about any of the characters. I don't like this kind of political machinations. Like the mafia gangster story isn't really my cup of tea. I'm not loving the way she's doing like the magic as addiction. Like that's not really my thing either. So there just wasn't anything that I liked enough. No place for you to like really yeah, get your claws exactly. in there and be like, oh, I'm yeah. invested. Yeah. Like from my extremely scientific research and surveys of like just people I know, I feel like the make or break of Jade City, like whether or not it's going to work for you or not, is do you like Hilo? Because like for the yeah, most part, people like who don't, people who I've heard don't like Jade City will be like, and I don't like Hilo. <laughs> so well, like, that's actually, like if he doesn't work for you. So one thing I said to Liana, and then I was trying to like, while I was doing work today, I was trying to watch some reviews in the background to refresh me on things that happened in this book because... Mm -hmm. You know, I have the memory of a goldfish. I was watching Elle's review and Elle agrees with me that she wanted points of view from the other family. And mm -hmm. I think that that now I'm not trying to like Monday morning quarterback Fonda Lee. She can do whatever she wants. But I think that possibly could have been something to get me more hooked in is if we see both sides and rooting for both sides and making that more of like a complicated emotional investment for the reader like i, I i'm not saying that, you would yeah. have liked it bethany but i wonder if you would have had if that would have been a more interesting experience for you to be like oh yeah. i'm like i like shay and i'm kind of but who do i then, root for i could see i yeah. mean honestly i could see that i could see that working better potentially i mean i don't know that it would still be my favorite thing but i i would know but i just wonder be. if it's like if you don't like Hilo and you're supposed to be like rooting for no peak yeah. I wonder if like a way around say, that I think could that's, be. That's also probably yeah. why it's not written that way is because this is a book where you're supposed to root for these characters and you're on team no peak. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I'm like, no, no, no I peak. don't care. <laughs> I'm like, y'all kind of suck. You like let a pedophile get away with things for years and years. Burn it down. You know, I was yeah. say, so shall we dive into spoilers? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Are there any other non-spoilery things we can say? 
I, I mean, I think non-spoiler, I do genuinely think, like, I would be truly shocked if you were a huge fan of Peaky Blinders and you hated Jade City. I think if you like that show, you're going to like Jade City. And I think it's worth trying, even if you don't end up liking it, because I do feel like it's pretty different. I'm happy to say, actually, not just that it's a non-basic bitch medieval fantasy, because we actually have a lot of those now. And we even have a lot of Asian-inspired fantasy. I've been realizing recently that I really like Asian-inspired fantasy. There's plenty of that. But I think it's different in the sense of it's kind of unique tropes in the yeah. type well, also of the fantasy me- that the it very is. modern setting. Yeah, yeah like it's yeah. a it's an interesting blend of kind of bits and pieces. So I don't know that I've read a book quite like it. So I think it's worth trying just purely from I mean, this it's is just something a little different. It's an interesting fusion on every level. It's a fusion of genre, it's a fusion of cultures, it's a fusion of like narrative styles. Mm-hmm. It's just like a you know, Heinz 57 of things Fonda Lee likes. So which I kind of love. I wish more writers would just be like, these are all the things I like in one, because you can feel their passion <laughs> yeah. for, you know, what they're doing, I think, a little more. Yeah. So are we officially talking about spoilers? Uh, let's do spoilers. Okay. I will say when this book went, because I was sort of like, I like this. This is kind of like a three, three and a half, maybe a four. I don't know. When Lon dies, I'm like, okay. That was a ballsy move midway through. Like, I didn't see that coming as what was going to happen. I saw I that coming. That. I saw that as a thing that would happen at, at the end of the book. Like, that he right. would be like, dead I, by the I end of the book. I could have seen it as like, oh, in the big, whatever big confrontation there ends up being as the final climax, he dies and Hilo has to take over. I thought that was a ballsy move to clearly be setting him up, we think, as one of our main characters. And he is, I guess, but then the... Yeah, so like, I feel like him dying... Not a surprise. Him dying midway when when he died. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I do like what that brings out of Hilo, because I think he becomes more like you. Kind of see that he he is a little bit of a marshmallow for his family at the end of the day. And I particularly felt that at the end of the book with like the little what's the little brother's name? Andon. The adopted what? Andon. Andon. Yeah, yeah. When Andon what. Hilo sees as betrays him. I really believed at that point that he has this emotional investment in his family that he doesn't let show very easily. And that kind well, of I mean, like really he lets it show, him. but it's usually like an action. The reason he yeah. is so aggressive all the time is because he's like all in for no peak, all in for the call family. Anything against that is like we for the, and that's why he get, doesn't get along with Shay. He's like, you went off and you left the family. How dare you? He's just like, you need to feel this like I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, not only was it not predictable that Lan would die immediately, you know, even if I thought, okay, eventually Lan might die by the end of the book, I could see that happening. And then that would mean that Hilo would have to step into his shoes. Even so, it wasn't a situation where I'm just like, okay, waiting for that to happen. And like, obviously Hilo's going to take over and he's like, going to be great. No, when Lan dies and Hilo has to take over, I felt just as shaky and anxious about that too. He's like, I can't, I'm not good at this though. Like I was good in the role that I was in. That's what I'm good at. And I don't know how to do this. And you know, I don't know how to do this. And I better have my sister here to help me because I hate you. But also you're good at other things that I'm not good at. We got to pull this together because we're super fucked. Like We can't (laughs) pull it together. (laughs) Yeah. And I like that too. And I liked, I liked where we left Shay in terms of her taking a role within the family. I liked what it was saying about her approach to a male dominated fantasy setting and I liked the positioning of Boucher and Lady What's-Her-Face, the head of the other one, that it's it's not kick-ass girl boss version of 
of like sisters doing it for themselves. Like it's not that. It's more like you have to fight and claw your way into your position. I liked how Shay did that. I also disliked the idea of accounting being badass. I was like, <laughs> yeah. Well, my undergrad is in accounting, so you're not going to hear any objections. Exactly. It's like, I like that it seems cool right now that you have a background in accounting and like that's going to be like gangsta. <laughs> yeah, let's, yeah. let's and go. I like, that they called, I like they call that the weatherman. I thought that was yes. like a fun. But there's a lot of things like that, like the the fist, the horn, the weatherman. Mm-hmm. Like the naming conventions in the in the universe really, really worked for me. Yeah. Now, Bethany, what was it about Shay's position at the end that you did not like? <sighs> I think I guess I found it frustrating because her whole arc was the opposite of finding independence and I don't know. Like I liked her. I really liked her as a character for a lot of the book. And I liked her finding her own way in opposition to what her family was doing. And I think I was hoping that she would continue with that and do something interesting on the outside. And so I I just didn't find it satisfying to have her like sucked back in. I don't know. I just I was with Hila. I was so angry. I was like, when she's standing there and be like, I don't need protection. Don't send guards. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? You can stay away. Don't come back to this island. If you yeah. don't want protection, if you don't be part of this family, mm-hmm. because as soon as you show up, it doesn't matter if you don't wear your jade. It doesn't matter if you say, oh, yeah. I'm not part of this because like everyone else is going to treat you as part of this and you will be a target. So like, stop it. <laughs> yeah. I guess I could have gotten on board with her like leaving the family if she had really left the family. Yeah. Like if she had stayed away and maybe we had, again, I don't want to like rewrite Vondalee's Or even like her. having her, her connect with somebody from a different faction could have been interesting i think i just like a, a romeo juliet yeah, kind of situation like that would have been interesting yeah. that would have been interesting you mean betray no peak yeah like the pedophile did the pedophile was awful look i don't know well and they let that go on i don't know i just i think that's part I of the problem in that I, I really I did not like understand that. I did understand it i feel like i i totally buy it because he's the bff of the like grandpa of the clan He's, yeah. you know, grandfathered in. He's like, Ep- uh, was it Harvey Weinstein? I just, just like, everyone like knows the- he's doing it. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, I guess it didn't feel to me like the book took it that s- as, as seriously as I maybe wanted it to also. Yeah, you know? I felt like that was a weird element to add. Because, like, he's kind of detestable enough without it. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't sold that that was like an interesting thing to do with the character or like an interesting thing to introduce into the equation. It, w- yeah. it was shitty enough that he gets what's a, when he gets lawn killed, right? I think it made me even like everybody else less because they all just sort of kept making space for him to do that and everybody knew he was doing it. And I was like, I already don't really like y'all and y'all are doing that. Like, no, why am I rooting for you? Like, why should I care whether you guys are the winners here? Y'all suck. I guess I feel like I've seen enough gangster stories where there's not the main character, but like one of the main group, there's somebody who's got like a weird thing going on. They just turn a blind eye to it and they're like, try to keep it an eye on it and try to make them not do whatever their thing is like too much but like they do know it and they kind of like are like okay you're gonna you're gonna do your things it is what it is so like i just i've seen that so often in gangster mafia type stories that i was like yeah that's this is a thing yeah i don't really watch gangster mafia stories so well i yeah i guess i don't disagree with that i think it's just i don't know i i didn't fully buy that piece of the story in general that he would still be around i get the internal logic of the book of why he was but I guess I just wasn't sold that that 
was holy. You mean why he would still be weatherman after land took over? Yeah, yeah. Like I think, especially given what he ends up doing, it seems like Lon was kind of clued into the way that winds were blowing. Ah, weatherman <laughs> pun. I don't and... think anyone thought that he would betray No Peak. You know, they're like, what's he up to? That he's I like, that, that... He's, that he was very much grandpa's man. And so he's like undermining land because he doesn't trust land to actually be pillar. But that not that he would betray no peak. Right. But I mean, I don't get why Lan has him around. Like he's undermining him, even if it is with grandpa. And I guess I just didn't. I guess because I mean, a lot of what this book is doing also. So right. Is like they're criminals, obviously. And they're all like, there's people that are not part of the family that are part of no peak. But everyone who's in charge, this is family. And so in addition to the politics of running a gang, it's the politics of family. And the fact that grandpa and the weatherman would have been authority figures in all of their lives growing up. They were in charge. They are what they say goes in no peak. And that Lan having to step into these shoes and having to like be a pillar now when grandpa doesn't really act like you are. And he's always been an authority figure. And that's hard to shake that. And that like the weatherman is now your number two. And like, he's always been the person you answer to. So to now be his boss would be understandably, you can't like Weird, make that but leap I mean, until... I just, yeah, I he guess I just felt like... to do it though. Yeah. I just, I don't know. And I, I mean, don't know, maybe I just... But even then grandpa was like, yeah, but you're not really in charge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I guess that, I mean, I liked building on what I was saying about in the non-spoiler section, I did like that as a theme because to me, and maybe I'm just over-reading, but like to me, it felt like the entirety of how millennials and boomers are kind of going head-to-head in terms of boomers have not set millennials up for success mm-hmm. and will not let go to allow millennials to try to make things better. <laughs> Like within economics, but also like socially, politically, etc. I I liked that as a theme, at least here in the US, you know, we have 80 year olds who are still running our politics and like making the rules and benefiting from, yeah, you know, holding on to all the generational wealth, etc. So like, I liked that as a conflict that grandpa has like turned it over to Lon. But because he never actually really does in some ways, I don't think whether man dude would have done what he did if grandpa had actually really turned it over to lawn and like really said well, like yes you are that's in what charge I said, like, if grandpa really had genuinely truly and utterly turned it over to lan lan would have had a different weatherman but it's yeah, like exactly. leaving your man in charge to keep an eye on junior to make sure that the ship is yeah. running smooth because like junior's in charge but like really i'm leaving my guy to be weatherman <laughs> to be really in charge yeah but i like and that then- as a theme and i like that he has to, i mean not that i wanted lawn to die but i did take savage delight and when grandpa was mourning and be like yeah this is your fault asshole like (laughs) Like i said before like you have to like kilo and like i've said before books like this and and, and in plenty of books i am not on board where books are like you have to agree that this is clever you have to agree that this is badass if you don't also feel that way then this is not going to work for you and so then like again like in jay's city when lan dies and hilo is like melodramatically screaming to the heavens that he will have revenge i'm like (laughs) Yeah, you get them because they kill land. Go to war, you kill them all. Dirty apes. <laughs> yeah. See, and that's that's where like the gangster thing just doesn't work for me because I'm just like, what are you really standing for? Really? What do you expect? Like y'all are doing terrible things to each other all the time. Well, the I don't know. I just like, like, by the sword, just... die by the sword. I don't care but about it's any interesting of you. that they are like an acknowledged yeah. part, basically, of like political and bureaucratic structure. Like it's not just like hush yeah. deals with gangsters. Like they are an established part of. Yep. It's How like Tammany works. Hall realness. 
Yeah. 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 This, but, but I mean, I think that's exactly the thing is this is, this is why these kinds of stories don't work for me. I think is that like, I'm just not, it's harder for me, I think, to really root for the characters. I don't don't know. Unless I I really love them. (laughs) I Hmm? felt very bad for the owner of the twice lucky. I was like that poor guy. Yeah. I feel very bad for most of the people who live in this city. Honestly, as I would for for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not a good place to live. That's (sighs) why you joined the gang. Yeah. For your own protection. Like, but then that can be dangerous too. I don't know. It's just. Well, I'm not saying that like gangs are great. I'm saying that like, that's how that keeps happening. People are like, why can't we end it? It's because, okay, if you want to end the gangs, they both harm and protect their communities. So if Mm -hmm. you get rid of the gang, okay, you better replace it with something because they are an essential part of how this community functions for better or for worse. They are Mm -hmm. doing equal parts, good and bad. You better provide social services because basically gangs provide social services. Yeah. Yep. So this is the chapter three podcast endorsement of uh, the need for a social safety net. (laughs) But you're going to say endorsement of gangs. No. No. uh, That's not the point I was trying to make. No, Leah is saying you have to have a social safety net or else it will be gangs. Or else it will be gangs. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like literally, yeah. That's why we have them. Okay. Also, I I mean, I I do have to say and people don't agree with me i know because i've heard that people don't agree with me i thought that the sex scene was awkward with Hilo apparently and... there are people who like were into this into it and i was like hmm. it wasn't premium it wasn't like smut but yeah. it was i thought for a fantasy sex scene it was actually pretty good i didn't feel like i didn't think it was like romantic it. i mean again it's like watching a sex scene in a gangster type tv or movie like it's not like watching outlander which is clearly for you know ribbed for her pleasure it's yeah. just you know oh these gangsters also have sex so like that is also a thing that is being depicted you know what i think it is is when i read it there were other people reading it at the same time were really apparently into that and i was like i was like you need to read hmm. some romance like you know I because say. i was like i just Maybe I can give them some mafia romance recommendations. Maybe, if they, maybe, maybe this like unlock something for them. Look, I mean, honestly, it might. Yeah. I just thought it was funny because it was maybe that what happened with me. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it didn't. Not maybe no, but I just thought it was funny because like when I was reading it, there were other people who were reviewing it and talking about like, ooh, how like steamy that scene was, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I mean, unless it was like a menage with the swords crossing, I'm not going to really remember it too much. So, But the sex scene does like neatly segue us to Hilo's girlfriend and later wife, who I think is a great character. I really liked her. Yeah. She was really another thing. So many things, like I said, at the beginning of Jade City, I was like, okay, and you know, Hilo's got his chick. He's got his old lady. Like, of course, of course he does. And she seems mm-hmm. pretty. So like, that's fine. And her brother's, you know work for Hilo in the Nopeak clan. Yep, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Yeah. Yeah. And then like when it she turns out to be a much more complicated, interesting character, just like everything in the book seemed to gradually become complicated and interesting. I was like, oh, I underestimated you. I am sorry, my lady. Like that is <laughs> you are more than what you appear. Yeah. And again, like I know that Bethany didn't like Shay's plot line, but then I feel like you probably did like I did like hers. Uh, uh, yeah, like his girlfriend or whoever she was. Yeah, I thought yeah. she was interesting. And the fact that, again, this is one of those things that isn't paid off in this book, but I'm sure that it will be something in future books. They're all like, don't we can't tell Hilo what we're up to. And you know Hilo's going to find out. <laughs> you know he's not going to be happy about it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
We'll see. I don't know. Have you guys seen the Godfather movies? No. Yeah. Okay. I do think it's interesting in the sense of how things develop over time. So, oh yeah, now that we can talk about spoilers. So what Mm -hmm. I understand is that the next book takes place over like 10 years. Oh, wow. Which I think is interesting because this book is a very focused timeline. A very short Yeah. So I'm assuming that we're going to get a la The Godfather, you know, babies being born and people living and dying and like, uh, you know, the progress of time and how that just time changes dynamics. I do think that that will be interesting, for instance, Mm. with when, okay, when she becomes the mother of his children, like how does that change her position within the clan? And like, how does that change her relationship to to him? And Considering she's a stone eye, it's going to be really critical what their children end up being if they have children. Yeah. I mean, I think it seems like that's kind of part of the gig, right? Which again, like here's, so like we haven't really at all talked about how Jade works and how the drugs work. And I think a lot of that, again, became more complicated and interesting, the introduction of stone eyes as a thing and the way that it's a very genetic kind of magic system. Not everyone can use Jade and it's not because... It's very, very different, the kind of thing from like a book where there's like some chosen born magic users and some people, you know, like you were born a wizard. Like, isn't mm-hmm. that great? Like, this is a very, I mean, it's, you know, a certain a cultural heritage that you are able to use jade. And so then they have a monopoly on jade and jade use and the introduction of the drugs that enable you to use jade when you aren't born with that ability as like a democratization of access to jade. But also there are, are big side effects to that and it being used on the streets as like a street drug, which is like, okay, that's not good. And then also I'm rooting for No Peak and No Peak has a vested interest in keeping a monopoly on Jade and Jade use and all the green bones do. So like they wouldn't want everyone having access to Jade. So all of that becomes so much more nuanced and complicated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it would be an interesting turn of events if, if like his heir apparent ends up not. And another, I mean, like we Jade. have... It's again, it's it's yeah. being teased and set up, but it's not really like yet a thing that like nations outside of where we are, are getting Jade and getting this drug that enables them to yeah. use Jade. And you're like, yeah. okay, that's going to be, the next book's literally called Jade War. So yeah, I have to think. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's, it's very, it's very similar to like the opium wars in some ways, right? Like, cause it's drawing, it seems like it's drawing some on that history and the way that like yeah. Jade is mirroring addiction and like the different uses. Like, so I, th- I feel like that's probably a lot of where all that's coming from. Yeah, that seems to be an influence. It'll be interesting to see how that's handled in contrast to something like the poppy war that is very mm. directly, I mean, both of them, I guess, are dealing with some of the same themes. Yeah. Yeah. But so, like, the way that it's not, you know, so much, like, I mean, I, I mean, addiction is part of it, but the fact that, you know, I mean, with opium, there is no upside. <laughs> like, there's no, like, there's no reason to use Well, if opium. you're having surgery and that's the only okay. way to... Right. But I mean, like, it doesn't, it's not a military strength. Like, you're, there's no reason why you would want to acquire this as a defense for your country or as, like, a gang weapon. And so the fact well, that, like, for the it money. powers you... Or you use it to, I mean, like, isn't that a whole part of the opium wars is that the British like purposefully encourage people to get addicted to it so that they yeah. could then. Right. But that's like a very it. different thing from getting it to use it yourself to make yourself stronger. Yeah. Um, and so then like that's where that dichotomy of like, if I use this, I can defeat my enemies. But if I use this, I'm hurting myself. And so then like, it isn't just, you know, usually when we talk about drug use, you're like, why are you doing this to yourself? You're only hurting yourself. This is breaking you down and there's no reason to be doing this to yourself because it's hurting you. Versus with Jade, you're doing this because it's going to make you strong and powerful and be able to defend people that you love. Also, it, you're a little addicted to it. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Interesting. Well, you guys will have to let me know how the rest of the series goes. <laughs> when I'm screaming about it on my Insta story, as you'll know that I've started <laughs> war. Yeah. Um, Leon, are you going to like dive in ASAP to the next book? I was hoping next month. Go for it. Exciting. I won't be yeah. reading it with you because I'm not ready yet, but you should go for it. Okay. I'm sorry. I'll be reading Hop with you, so you will have something to read together. And then, as again, as I am excited reading Jade War, I'll be like, okay, Mar, but like, read it soon because, like, what stuff that's happening? And you'll be like, okay, I need to read it so I can find out all these juicy things. <laughs> it's like, do you want me to read this or do you want to read me to read before they are hanged? <sighs> Sophie's choice. Uh, Leanna's choice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously, before they are hanged, but like, <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. I would like to have my cake and eat it too, please. Well, we're we're living in late stage capitalism. There's yeah. there's no there's none of that. <laughs> uh, well, so hopefully this helps people figure out maybe if they want to read it themselves or some conversation if you've read it already. And uh, we are going to move into on my radar where we're going to share recent or upcoming book releases and sci-fi fantasy and romance that we're excited about. Books for today's episode will be released between April 5th and April 18th, 2022, with the exception of any guest recommendations that can be anything recent or upcoming. But first, if you enjoy the podcast, we'd appreciate if you take a moment to rate and review us so we can continue to reach more listeners. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as exclusive bonus content with every episode, consider supporting us on Patreon. Huge thanks to all of our supporting patrons, including our world-expanding patrons, Trina and Sarah. You all make what we do possible, so thank you. And uh, I have four books to talk about. I have two. Cool. Okay. So maybe I'll do a couple and then kind of alternate. So the first one is coming out April 5th, and I'm currently reading it and loving it. This is The Blood Trials by N.E. Davenport. It's a debut adult sci fantasy. So it's sci fi with magic elements that I would recommend for fans of Red Rising. I feel like people who are into that will probably like this. It's very action packed and very fast paced. It follows a young woman, she's in like her early 20s, in a brutal military training school to join these elite forces. And like a lot of their joining class will die by the end. And she is hiding the fact that she has magic. She's a woman and she's a minority and a lot of people want her dead. And she's trying to survive and also figure out who assassinated her grandfather <laughs> along the way. So yeah, she's it's a busy great. bee. Yeah, very, very good. I'm enjoying that. And then one that I read that I think is interesting is Hotel Magnifique by Emily J. Taylor. It's a YA fantasy novel that has been pitched as similar to Caraval, which I think is overused, but in this case, I think is actually a good comparison. <laughs> I think it has very similar vibes. It follows a girl who's kind of, I guess, trying to save her sister, where there's this magical hotel that will appear places and be gone for like a, lo a long time. And only people with a lot of money and good luck can get tickets but they're hiring and sounds so, like the night circus yeah it's been comped to that also so she and her sister end up working inside the hotel but there are dark layers to it that she slowly uncovers of the reality there of what's happening are. there always are within the hotel so i really liked that one mara if you want to share one and then i've got a couple more so both of mine are just outside of the window but like Fine. very close so on the 19th 
Well, I'll go with my one that's like very anticipated. The 19th is Fevered Star by Rebecca Roanhorse. Yes. I will, Black Sun is one of my all-time favorite books. Uh, Leanna is dead to me because she's only May on it. So whatever. But Bethany, <laughs> we're, we're still cool. Um, <laughs> Good enough. But uh, yeah, Fevered Star. I really loved it. I think that it's, if I'm trying to be objective, I don't think it's as good as the first one. But I personally still absolutely loved it. Had a great time. Yeah. Very excited for the next one. I think, Bethany, when we were talking about it, I agree. It's sort of like a resetting the chessboard kind of yeah. book. But with so, but but a be- a good version of it, like it's yeah. a it's like an elevated version of a resetting the chessboard because it's got better world building and characterization. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I mean, I love the characters, I love that world, so I still had a great time. Um, so that's one yeah. that I'm reminding everyone to pre-order so that it yes. does well and we mm-hmm. get more and more and more. Mine is pre-ordered. <laughs> good. Me too. <laughs> So one that I'm kind of interested in, I know this author is popular, but I haven't read anything from her before. April 5th, we're getting Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel, who wrote Station Eleven. So she's got a new book coming out. It says it's a novel of art, time, love, and plague that takes the reader from Vancouver Island in 1912 to a dark colony on the moon 300 years later, unfurling a story of humanity across centuries and space. So it's, it's got a pretty yeah. cover. It sounds interesting. Might give it a try. I lived in Vancouver for three years, so that makes me like I didn't realize that there was that connection. Oh, interesting. So maybe I'll be enticed to pick it up because it's hard. It's yeah. actually very hard to find books that are set in Canada in general, but then specifically mm-hmm. Vancouver because like I was yeah. trying to do that when I lived there, and there's not that many. Oh, that's interesting. Have you, <laughs> have you read Zero Repeat Forever? Because that's Canadian. Okay. I can think of a couple, I can think of couple set in Toronto. Yeah, if they're in Canada, it's usually in Toronto or Quebec. But yeah, it's, it's harder than you think. So Canadian listeners, drop your Canadian, have some maple leaf pride, drop your X in the (laughs) comments. Yes, there you go. And then my last one I have is coming out April 12th. It's a horror novella called And Then I Woke Up by Malcolm Devlin. I just read an e-arc of this one. It's really interesting. It's kind of a slightly more literary take on horror. Thematically, what it's about is false narratives and like the things that people believe and charismatic people convincing them to believe things and like what's true and what's not and what's real and what's not, which I think is really interesting today. But um, the, the story is told from this guy who maybe lived through a zombie apocalypse or did he? Because there was a moment where there were people who saw their fellow humans turning into zombies and attack each other and they went and survived. But maybe that never happened. And maybe there's a cure that can help them see the world as it really is. Who knows? Anyway, it's it's an interest it's a really interesting little novella that's like playing with some ideas that I think feel very timely. Is that a tour one? It's a tour.com one, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like them. Yeah. <laughs> I have one more. Well, I'll give like an honorary recommendation that I'm sure between now and April 18th, there will be another Mink book released on Kindle Unlimited. So if you like today's episode and you're like, I would like to read some very problematic, smutty mafia romance, <laughs> Mink is I my go-to that. for that. There's always cats in her books, like adorable kitties. Uh, everybody is very stupid, but horny so if you want a lighthearted mafia romance is how i would describe these 
Mink is who I'd recommend. So I'm sure she'll have a release between now and mid-April. But my actual last anticipated one is Go Hex Yourself by Jessica Clare. I'm again hyping this up because I really want there to be pre-orders so that there will be more in the series. So selfishly, I'm hoping people will read this, but it is a paranormal romance. Jessica Clare writes in pretty much all genres. Her other um, pen name is Ruby Dixon. Uh, so Ice Planet Barbarian mm-hmm. fame. And this one is with a witch and a warlock. And it's a kind of like hate to love rom-com type vibe so it's like a light-hearted paranormal this is not like twilight angsting this is more you know adults banging it out at the bottom of a well when they're looking for a magical object kind of a vibe <laughs> they are also kind of stupid but in a fun lovable way mm-hmm. ruby dixon writes a lot of himbos and so does jessica claire which i'm all for so anyway that comes out on the 19th sounds fun it can be something that already came out like recently right yeah, no, it, yeah, that's no, fine. We're just recommending books. Go for it. Ogres by Adrian Tchaikovsky is a, a novella that came out recently on March 15th. And it's a world in which there are ogres that are real and big. And the main character's landlord is an ogre. Yeah. Love it. Interesting. That's fun. Awesome. If you would like to read the smutty version of that, it's Girls Weekend by C.M. Nacosta, who is the author of Morning Glory Milking Farm. So... <laughs> Which has been mentioned on this podcast before by Izzy. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. I love it. So Lena, when you're done reading that like serious version, you can read the erotic version. Oh, yeah, I thought you were you gonna say when I'm version. done reading Morning Glory Milking Farm, then I have more to, more joy awaits. <laughs> also <laughs> that. Like that too. Read that too. I love Morning Glory Milking Farm, as I know you will in July. Of course. Um, Wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more to be had. She also has one with a, a bug man, a spider man, not like Peter Parker, like a man, like a, a half spider. Half I had man. hope there for a second. <laughs> Do, well, would you really want to read a paranormal romance with Peter Parker? I mean, it, and arguably any romantic story with Spider-Man is a paranormal romance because the idea that a radioactive spider bit him, I think that's pretty paranormal. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. That's true. Well, all of those will be linked in the show notes or in the video description if you're watching us on YouTube. Mara, thanks for joining us today. This was Thank fun. you for having me. Yeah. Uh, again, this has been Chapter 3 Podcast. We're your hosts, Bethany and Liana. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Chapter 3 Podcast. And you can also find us on our individual YouTube channels, which will be linked in the show notes or the video description if you're watching us on YouTube. The next episode will be available in two weeks, and we will be back to talk about Bridgerton season two. So look forward to that. It's going to be going to be fun. And this episode's bonus content will be available to patrons in the next few days. Thanks for listening.